Well, maybe, just maybe, the problem is you. Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Sliction Culture Podcast, where we discuss all things art, brought to you by M Modern Worldwide. And this is episode number one. Today's show is all about reputation and the six things that young artists should avoid doing. Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Slickshin Culture Podcast. I am your host, Iceberg Slick, the Las Vegas hustler of culture. I'm not your typical curator. Um, I, uh-oh, that means I have to say something controversial. Um, I actually have a question, and, and this is probably going to border on blasphemy in the art world, but I have to ask it. Is it possible that some, not all, but some of the stuff that John Michelle Basquiat did was straight bullshit. I know, I know, I get it. I knew that wasn't going to be popular. And for the record, I'm not saying that John Michelle Basquiat's work was bullshit. I'm just saying that not everything he created was some profound philosophical breakthrough. I was just reading this article online, and it was all of these academics breaking down John Michelle's paintings. And they're trying to make it seem like it was some deep shit. You know? Well, what he was saying here is that rigonomics, like you don't know that. <laughs> you don't know what he was saying there. And, and you're completely leaving out the fact that he was high on heroin most of the time when he was painting these things. And I don't know much about heroin, but I, I, I seriously doubt a lot of your great philosophers <laughs> were chasing the dragon when they came up with their theories, right? I guess it's just human nature to do that whenever someone dies. We just make everything they did profound. We did that with Tupac. California love was a poetic breakthrough. No, it wasn't. It was a party anthem about smoking weed and drinking Alizé and serenading the streets of L.A., from Oakland to Sacktown, the Bay Area and back down. That's all it was. It wasn't a biblical verse. Listen, all I'm saying is that just because an artist dies does not mean that everything they did before they died was some kind of great breakthrough. Anyone who knows me knows that I am the biggest Prince fan on the planet. However, I would be lying my ass off if I said that his movie Graffiti Bridge should have won an Academy Award. Okay, all right. I see I have some fellow Prince fans here. Very good. But, but let's not delude ourselves and pretend like that movie was good. That's all I'm saying. Just because an artist dies does not mean that everything they did before they died was profound. Reputation. It's 
so much depends on it. It's your social currency. And I imagine there's someone out there listening right now saying, I don't care what other people think of me. Um, I'm unique in that way that I'm an individual. And That's great there, Lone Wolf. If you invented a flying car and you're a billionaire, but if you're anything like the 99% of the rest of us, uh, then you rely on your reputation, whether you're an employee, whether you're a business owner, it doesn't matter. Your reputation is what's going to determine your success. Now, there is a such thing as hate. Haters are going to hate, but hate is usually just opinions. And not everyone's going to share the same opinion. Someone says, oh, I don't like her art. Uh, she's trying to be this or that. Not everyone who hears that is going to agree with that. And it's of little consequence to the outcome of your success. So don't worry about that. But your reputation, that's what you got to worry about. Reputation is based on an amalgamation of reviews from various people. It's kind of like Yelp. Right. Let's say we have somebody named Ronald and you ask a random person, you say, hey, do you know Ronald? And that person says, oh, Ronald, great guy. Then you go to another person, totally unrelated, and you say, hey, have you heard of Ronald? And they say, Ronald, oh, my God, complete sweetheart. Then you go to another person. You ever heard of Ronald? Ronald helped me out when I was in a tight spot. Now, already. His reputation is good with you. You've heard from these people and all these people seem to be saying the same thing or something similar. So even if you ask 10 people and then the 11th person you ask, hey, do you know Ronald? And they say, oh, Ronald's a complete asshole. His reputation is still going to be good with you because the majority of people have given him five stars. That's what your reputation is. So as long as you're good with most people, you're a friendly person, you do good business, you don't screw people over, then you're going to be good. I know this is common sense for most people, and I know this is a very odd topic, especially for the first episode of an art podcast, but I thought it was important for young artists who are looking to break into the gallery scene and to have a career as a commercial artist to hear these, these things. Um, over the years, working with hundreds of artists, I have seen young artists make mistakes that have cost them dearly as far as their careers went, you know. So I made a little list here. Of course, it's not a complete list. I'm pretty sure a lot of you listening will have your own items that you feel belong on this list. And I would love to hear those. But these are things that artists should avoid doing. All right. My, my list is short. I want to hear what you got. You can email it to me. You can hit me in the comments. You can hit me in the DMs on Facebook or Instagram, but this is my list and I hope it helps somebody out there. Number one, be likable. So very easy. Just don't be an asshole. Right? Be respectful. Be, you know, just be a likable person. That's a very important. It goes a long way. I have seen young artists, new emerging artists get big opportunities simply because they were likable. Uh, at In Modern, we do big events like big group shows, but we also do these small intimate events with just buyers and collectors. 
And usually these uh, take place in like a, a home or a penthouse. And so it's very limited in space and a much smaller audience. However, um, in addition to some of the bigger, more established names that we show, a lot of times the buyers or collectors want new blood. They want to see new faces or, or you know, they, they everybody wants to strike gold first, you know. So we'll endorse a new face that we think will fit with what the buyers or collectors that we're entertaining would like. And sometimes it comes down to three candidates. And when that's the case, we're always going to go with the one we like most uh, as a person, you know, so being likable goes a long way. I've also seen this work in reverse. Uh, And this happened not long ago. I went down to the first Friday Las Vegas celebration, which I rarely do anymore, but I went down to see what was new and they have uh, on the you know outside of the galleries and everything they have these tents where merchants and artists can set up their wares and i like to find new artists that's my thing so that's what i was out there doing i was going through these tents just trying to find new blood and i come across a, a young lady uh, whose work interested me and as i approached i seen that she was behind her booth engaged in a conversation with her friend And I walked up and I said, hey, excuse me. Now, right off the bat, this girl got an attitude with me. She's like, yes, can I help you? And I I just asked her, I said, hey, are you the artist? She said, yes. And it went right back to talking. So I said, okay, she obviously uh, doesn't want to talk. And so I stood there for a minute hoping that she would come over and say, hey, you know, are you interested in buying anything or whatever? But she just didn't do it. And, you know, so I started to walk away. But then it hit me, you know what? I want to get her business card so I can remember to never work with her. <laughs> so I went back and I said, excuse me. Again, she catches an attitude. And I asked her if she has a business card. She says no. So I take a picture of her booth, you know, with her work, just so I can remember if I ever come across her again to not work with her. You know, and it could have been that she was having a bad day. It could have been that I looked like someone who had done her wrong. I don't know and I don't care because I didn't deserve to be treated that way when I'd done nothing. So whoever this young lady is, I have absolutely no interest in working with her at any point in the future simply because of my first impression of her. So be mindful of that, you know. Now, anyone in my position will understand that artists at times can be uh, very eccentric very quiet, very withdrawn. We don't expect you to exactly be a social butterfly, uh, but we do expect you to, if you're taking your career seriously, to be cool, just be a cool person. You don't have to kiss ass or anything because that's not a good look either. Just be a cool person. That's all. Number two, don't be a pest, right? And every curator, gallery operator, artist uh, with an open studio or their own gallery knows who I'm talking about when I say the pest. You don't want to be viewed as this. The pest is not always, but usually they're an aspiring artist who does not understand parameters or how to take a hint. There's usually no malicious intent behind the actions of the pest, uh, but it doesn't make it any less annoying and eventually it can it can start bordering into creepy and stalkerish. And I have a personal example of this. 
Uh, this happened years ago when I was curating the Arts Factory Las Vegas. Um, one day this kid walks in with his portfolio. It was a slow day. I had nothing else to do. So I, I decided I would go ahead and sit down with him to review his work. He wanted to be in a group show. Now, right off the bat, the kid was cocky. So that was already a turnoff for me. And to top it off, I looked through his portfolio and he just was not ready to be shown with me. And he protested and yeah, I'm good enough. I'll make you a lot of money. And so at the time in my studio where we were reviewing his portfolio, I was showing Amy soul who of course she's international now, but at that time she was just emerging. She hadn't even shown outside of Las Vegas. And so I pointed her work out and I said, look at that. You know, this is the kind of quality I need. If you, if you plan on showing with me, then I took him out to the common areas where I was showing retina and norm and an artist named Shan Michael Evans. And I, I pointed out, I said, listen, you don't have to be this good, but you got to, you know, look, I want you to be inspired by the styles here because this is the kind of stuff we show at the arts factory. So get it, get it together, hit me back. And then we could talk about a group show. Now, somehow he took this as, Hey, we're friends now. Call me seven days a week and show up whenever you want. <laughs> Cause that's what he started doing. This kid was blowing uh, my personal phone and my studio phone up, just leaving message after message. Um, he would show up just on off days at the arts factory. He would show up to every first Friday and every opening. And it, it just got to be too much. And it got to the point where I was like, okay, this kid is stalking me. And I even told people around me, I said, listen, if something happens to me, this kid more than likely did it <laughs> because he, this kid, he was creepy. And the last straw for me was I was doing a special event outside of the arts factory. And it was in like this nightclub uh, type scenario. So I showed up to the venue three hours early with my team to start putting the show together three hours early. And while we're in there setting up, I hear somebody say, hey, Iceberg. And I look over in a corner and all I can see, because it was dark in there, all I could see was a silhouette and the lights were kind of glistening off the glasses. And I get closer and I see it's this kid. And I'm like, okay, he's going to kill me. <laughs> but that was the last straw for me. Needless to say, the kid never got a show with me. Um, I did see him years later uh, as he, when he was a little older. Uh, he had given up the dream of being an artist and he seemed like a stable person. So that was good because... <laughs> I, for for years, I had been wondering about this kid and wondering if he was going to step out of the shadows. So anyway, um, don't be that person. I understand the temptation of being a young artist. You want to align yourself with with people who can advance your career. You can do that. You know, it's OK to go to an opening. It's OK to you know show up from time to time, even strategically and say hello, uh, shake hands and keep it moving, though. Don't stand there and, and, and try to butt into existing conversations that they already have going on. Don't just don't be all up in the face of a gallery operator, a curator, or even an influential artist, because uh, you don't, you don't want to, you never want to be the person where as soon as someone sees you walking up, they roll their eyes and sigh. Or as soon as they see your number on their caller ID, they're going to just, you know, send you to voicemail. You know, so be very careful with that. Don't be a pest. Number three, do not talk shit online or engage in gossip about galleries or other artists 
because you do not know how that will affect you in the future. Uh, I, I know the, I know how it is to be 18 or 19, right? You rarely think about 10 years into the future, uh, you know, like, cause why, right? You're young and free and, you know, when I was 18 or 19, there was no such thing as the internet. So if I talked shit about someone, a blog post would have been me writing it in my notebook or inside of a peachy folder. Um, however, if I were to meet that same person that I was talking shit about when I was 18 or 19, 10 years later, I might not feel that same way. And that person will have no idea that I ever talked shit and we can be friends if we want to, <laughs> you know, but now with the internet, whatever you put there through a blog or through a tweet or a Facebook post, it's there archived somewhere. Even if you erase it, it's archived somewhere. And if someone knows how, they can go back and retrieve it. Uh, and I have a few examples of this. There was an artist named I Love McConan. I shouldn't say was. I'm pretty sure he's still out there somewhere. But uh, this was a young kid who had a hit song a few years back called Going Up on a Tuesday. Something like that. It was a big club hit. It was everywhere. And the reason it was everywhere is because the rapper Drake had endorsed it. He had signed this kid to a record deal and he had gotten on this track with him. However, somebody got the bright idea to go through I Love McConan's tweets uh, five years before when I Love McConan was like 16 or 17 years old. And they discovered tweets where he had dissed Drake and said, oh, Drake is overrated. I'm better than him. Obviously, he didn't still feel this way <laughs> five, six years later when he got a deal with Drake. This was something he carelessly tweeted and put out into the public domain uh, when he was a kid. However, suddenly Drake dropped him from his record deal and there was kind of a public beef between them. Now, I don't know if it was because of this tweet, but I'm pretty sure the tweet didn't help. And I haven't heard anything from I Love McConan since. Got another example for you. This one I witnessed personally. I was there for it. A few years back, I was involved with a big group show. It wasn't my show, uh, but I was representing a few artists that were on it. And there were a lot of big headliners on this show. And so one headliner in particular she had seen that there was a certain emerging artist, you know, it was a kid who was making a buzz, not related to me, but he was making a buzz. He was coming up. She discovered he was on the roster and she let the organizers know that either they were to take this young emerging artist off or she would take herself off. And when asked why she said, well, the kid had posted something disparaging about me on, I don't know if it was Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And so naturally the organizers pulled the kid from the show. They're not gonna pull the headliner from the show. Uh, they'd stand to lose thousands of dollars if she was to walk away. You know, so I don't know what he tweeted. I don't know what it was. All I know is I have not seen him since, and which is a shame because he was very good. And yeah, so you gotta be very careful when you're posting online and what you're posting online, you know, gossip has a tendency, even if you don't do it online, you know, if you're just talking shit to someone that you trust, it has a tendency to make its way back 
to the person. You know, the art world's not that big. You know, it's a small circle. And usually what happens when you're gossiping and talking shit about somebody is you're telling somebody that you trust. Okay, and you tell them, hey, don't say nothing to anybody. They're like, okay. But then they tell someone that they trust. And they say, hey, don't tell anybody. And then they tell someone that they trust. And it keeps going until eventually your gossip and all the shit you were talking gets to someone who has more respect or likes the person you were talking shit about a, a little bit more than they like you. And it gets back to you. I notice how shit always gets back to me. And so just be very careful with that. Okay, because it can affect you down the road in a very negative way. Number four, keep your ego in line. Over the years, I have worked with hundreds of artists. And as you know, I like to break new artists. I like to work with new emerging artists. So naturally, I have watched artists go from obscurity to international success. And luckily for me, I can honestly say that I've never had any artist that I broke uh, change up on me and, and, you know, treat me with disrespect. I'd like to believe it's because of the respect I've shown them as they were coming up, even when they were nobodies. Or perhaps I have a sixth sense and I'm able to sniff out those who will eventually become arrogant and cocky nightmares. But either way, I have watched artists go from obscurity to international fame. And I understand how one, especially someone young, how easily they can get caught up in their ego when they're so sought after. You know, every gallery, when you're hot, every gallery wants to show you. You get all these invites and naturally you can't take them all. But there's a way of turning down, you know, an offer without being completely disrespectful. Galleries understand that when you're hot and you're busy, that you may not be able to work with them at that time. And they're patient. They'll wait for you. However, if you've been disrespectful to them, if you haven't returned their calls, if you just brush them off, then when it's time, like when you decide you want to show with them, they may not be there for you. And make no mistake, in the art world, it's very volatile. You can be hot on Tuesday and cold on Saturday. And you may have to go back to some of those galleries and, and try to, you know, reboost your career. But if you were a jerk uh, while you were hot, then, you know, there's way too many artists out here uh, for them to choose from to, you know, deal with you when you've been so disrespectful to them. Because trust me, most of the big names out there in the art game, most of the, the headliners, they're humble and down to earth. And this is how they got to that position by not treating people like shit who didn't deserve it. You know, so just be very careful. Keep your ego in line. The art world, again, is very volatile. It's very similar to the modeling world. I don't care how pretty you are. There's a million other models who are willing to take your place. You know, and so it's the same thing in the art game. I don't care how good you think you are. There's a million artists who are just as good, if not better than you, who are who will follow the rules, who will remain humble and will end up taking your place. So be very careful with that. All right. Now, this next rule, very important. This is number five. Do not copy. It's OK to be inspired by another artist or be influenced, but do not admire 
someone's work so much that your work becomes a carbon copy of theirs. When I look at a young artist's work, I can see who they were influenced by. And that's okay. You know, influence is good. But if it looks too much like the work of a well-established artist, then it just becomes a cheap bootleg. And me as a curator slash art dealer, I don't want to be known as the person who sells cheap bootlegs. And so therefore I would distance myself from you. And most galleries would do the same. No one wants to become known for selling the fake versions of something that's already in existence. So it's okay to be inspired, you know, to get, you know, and, and, and that inspiration, it's okay to let that inspiration show, but you have to put your own twist on it. Let's say your name is, uh, John Doe, the artist. Okay. People should be able to look at a John Doe piece and say, yo, that's a John Doe piece. And they should be able to look at a piece that was inspired by John Doe and say, yo, that artist is a fan of John Doe. So be very careful. Do not become the carbon copy of an artist that you admire because it absolutely will hurt your career in the long run. So don't copy. All right. Now I got one more thing on this list uh and it's um very this is probably the most important uh rule for young artists number six do not be shady with galleries okay when you are given the opportunity to show your work in a gallery a commercial gallery um just play ball okay play fair all of these big names that you see at the top of the game they got that way by playing fair. Let me explain. When you show with the gallery, the gallery is going to ask you, how much do you want for your piece? Let's just say you're in a group show. And they say, how much do you want for that piece? And you'll say, oh, I want 2000 for it. So let's say, okay. Now, galleries generally take 50%, at least in the lowbrow, pop surrealism, street art genre. Some galleries, when you start getting into the high art commercial galleries, they're going to hit you 80% and you get 20, you know, shit like that. But in our genre, it's generally 50%. In most galleries, it's 50%. So the gallery will say, okay, you want 2,000, we're going to sell it for 4,000. We get our two, you'll get your two. All right? So opening night, uh, you show up dressed in your best suit. And you look over and you see a gentleman staring at your painting. So you decide to go over and introduce yourself as the artist. And you start talking to this potential buyer. And he says, I really like this piece, but I don't want to pay $4,000 for it. Now, what you should do at that point is go find the curator or find the gallery operator and allow them to take over negotiations with the potential buyer. But what I have seen young artists do, and it's a, a, a horrible move on their part, is they'll try to negotiate themselves. And they'll say, hey, um, this art will be here for the next month. However, uh, if no one buys it, I'll sell it to you from my studio for $2,000. And that's being shady. Because what you're doing is you are cutting the gallery out, the gallery that gave you the opportunity the gallery that gave you the platform, the gallery that provided space on their walls for you and them to make money together. 
you know, and, and I'm going to tell you when that gets back to the gallery, I mean, cause you might get away with it one or two times, but eventually it's going to get back to the gallery and gallerists talk, right? Curators, dealers, galleries, they all hang out at the same places. They will talk. And when an artist pulls bullshit like this, they go out of their way to make sure that every other gallery knows at the last life is beautiful, uh, festival where we had crime on canvas, uh, an artist had submitted work to be in the show, but we had received um, an email from a curator friend about this artist already, that this artist had done that, that very thing. And so naturally we didn't show that artist. We, we just declined their request to be in the show. And so you have to understand how the game works. Sure, you can make a couple of bucks on the side you know, doing shit like this. But this is the way the game works, okay? When you're first starting out, your hope is to get into a group show at a reputable gallery, hopefully with some big name artists who will draw the crowds, who will then discover your work. And you hope that one of the people in that crowd buys your piece. Because once that happens, the gallery takes notice of you. The gallery's like, huh, people like this artist. Okay, in other galleries too, we, we watch new, who's emerging and who other galleries are showing and we pay attention to who's selling, right? So you, you might get invited to another group show. Boom, you sell your piece there. Now that gallery's taking notice. Now other galleries are taking notice. And before you know it, one of them is going to ask you to do a solo show uh, because you have proven again and again that you sell. Now, if you're working side deals, and, 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 and doing deals yourself, you might not get caught doing it, but as far as the galleries are concerned, your work doesn't sell. So therefore you're not uh, an artist that uh, is gonna be on the high priority list, you know? So don't be shady with galleries because that right there will, is guaranteed to fuck up your career. You know, even if you get away with it, you're still fucking up your career because as far as the galleries are concerned, you're not selling and they're probably not going to ask you to come back. So there you have it. Six things that young emerging artists should avoid doing. I imagine a lot of you out there have your own suggestions of things that young artists should avoid doing. And I want to hear about them. Hit me in my DMS on Instagram. My Instagram is iceberg underscore slick. An iceberg, just so you know, is spelled I-C-E-B-E-R-G, not U-R-G. Too many people email me and they, they put iceberg with a U-R-G. Iceberg has never been spelled like that by anyone on the, in the history of the earth. All right, so hit me in the DMs. You can hit me in the comment section, uh, whatever podcast app you use to listen to these. And you can email me. My email is I make you slick at gmail.com. Again, that's I make you slick at gmail.com. Tell me what I missed. Yeah, so I really appreciate you guys joining me on this journey. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Slickion Culture Podcast. As always, stop hating, start painting. You won't be sad.